provided by a choir comprised of students attending BYU-Idaho. This broadcast is furnished as a public service by Bonneville Distribution. Any reproduction, recording, transcription, or other use of this program without written consent is prohibited. President Henry B. Eyring, First Counselor in the First Presidency of the Church, will conduct this session. Brothers and sisters, we welcome you to the Saturday afternoon session of the 186th Annual General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. President Thomas S. Monson, who presides at the conference, has asked that I conduct this session. We extend our greetings to all who are in attendance or who are participating by means of television, radio, or the Internet. We likewise welcome those who are viewing the proceedings in stake centers in various parts of the world where the conference is being carried by satellite transmission. The music for this session will be provided by a choir comprised of students attending BYU-Idaho under the direction of Edith Ashby and Rebecca Lord with Bonnie Goodliffe at the organ. The choir will open this meeting by singing, Sing Praise to Him. The invocation will then be offered by Elder Hugo E. Martinez of the Seventy.
Our dear Heavenly Father, we humbly and lovingly bow our heads so that we may express our gratitude for the words that have been spoken already in this conference and the words that will be spoken now, that they may lead us and guide us as we receive the blessings of the same Spirit that inspired these servants of Thee and Thy Son, Jesus Christ. We are grateful for families. We are grateful for the restoration of the priesthood and the church of the power and authority that is found again on earth to bring together Israel and to be able to lead them to the temple. We are grateful for the opportunity to better prepare for the Sabbath day tomorrow so that we may as families gather together and rejoice in the, all the blessings that come from thy gospel. May we be led to help those in need and do so according to thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray in his holy name, even Jesus Christ. Amen. President Dieter F. Uchtdorf, second counselor in the First Presidency, will now present the general officers and Area 70s of the Church for a sustaining vote. After which, Kevin R. Jurgensen, managing director of the Church Auditing Department, will read the annual report. He will be followed by Brooke P. Hales, secretary to the First Presidency, who will present the statistical report of the Church for the year 2015. Brothers and sisters, President Monson has invited me to present the names of the General Officers and Area 70s for your sustaining vote. It is proposed that we sustain Thomas Spencer Monson as prophet, seer, and revelator, and president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Henry Banyan Eyring as first counselor in the First Presidency, and Dieter Friedrich Uchtdorf as second counselor in the First Presidency. Those in favor may manifest it. Those opposed, if any, may manifest it. Your, the, note, the vote has been noted. It is proposed that we sustain Russell M. Nelson as president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles and the following as members of that quorum. Russell M. Nelson, Dallin H. Oaks, M. Russell Ballard, Robert D. Hales, Jeffrey R. Holland, David A. Bednar, Quentin L. Cook, D. Todd Christofferson, Neil L. Anderson, Ronald A. Raspand, Gary E. Stevenson, and Dale G. Renland. Those in favor, please manifest it. Any opposed may so indicate. The vote has been noted. It is proposed that we sustain the counselors in the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles as prophets, seers, and revelators. All in favor, please manifest it. Contrary, if there be any, by the same sign. The vote has been noted. 
It is proposed that we release the following Area 70s, effective May 1st, 2016. Manuel M. Augustin, Kent J. Allen, Stephen B. Allen, W. Mark Bassett, Patrick Emma Batuya, Mark A. Bragg, Marcelo F. Chape, Eliazara S. Colado, Valerie V. Corden, Joaquin E. Costa, Jeffrey D. Cummings, Massimo DeFeo, Donald D. Deschler, Nicolas L. Di Giovanni, Jorge S. Dominiques, Gary B. Doxy, David G. Fernandez, Herman D. Ferreira, Moroni Gaona, Jack N. Gerard, Ricardo B. Jimenez, Douglas F. Hyam, Brent J. Hillier, Robert W. Hymas, Lester F. Johnson, Muddy T. Utenos, Zhang Ho Kim, Alfred Kiyungu, Dane O. Levitt, Remigio E. Mime Jr., Ismael Mendoza, Cesar A. Morales, Roland D. Manz, Ramon C. Nobleza, S. Mark Palmer, Fujar Piano, Gary B. Porter, Jose L. Reyna, Esteban G. Rezek, George F. Rhodes, Jr., Gary B. Sabin, Evan R. Schmutz, D. Zachary Smith, Lynn L. Summerhays, Venislao H. Zweck, Greg B. Terry, Ernesto R. Torres, Fabian E. Vallejo, Emma Villalobos, J. Romeo Villarreal, Terry L. Wade. Those who wish to join us in expressing appreciation for their excellent service, please manifest it. It is proposed that we release with heartfelt gratitude Sisters Rosemarie M. Wixom, Cheryl A. Asplin, and Mary R. Durham as the primary general presidency. We likewise extend releases to members of the primary general board. All who wish to join us in expressing appreciation to these sisters for their remarkable service and devotion, please manifest it. It is proposed that we sustain as new General Authority 70s, W. Mark Bassett, Mark A. Bragg, Weatherford T. Clayton, Valerie V. Cordon, Joaquin E. Costa, Massimo DeFeo, Peter F. Merce, K. Brett Natris, S. Mark Palmer, Gary B. Sabin, and Evan A. Schmutz. All in favor, please manifest it. Those opposed, 
by the same sign. It is proposed that we sustain the following as new area 70s. Mathieu, sorry, P. David Agassani, Kilmer A. Aguero, René R. Alba, Victorino A. Babida, Stephen R. Bangerter, Richard Bakiran, Dong Chol Bey, Michael V. Beheshti, Mathieu Benassar, Huberman Bien Emi, Kevin E. Calderwood, Louis J. Camay, Matthew L. Carpenter, Douglas B. Carter, Aroldo B. Cavalcanti, Louis Claudio Caveri, Ulysses Chavez, Brent J. Christensen, Douglas L. Dance, Mark C. Davis, Alessandro Dino Giaggi, J. Scott Dorius, M. Dirk Triskel, Antonio F. Faundes, Jose A. Fernandez, Matias de Fernandez, Candido Fortuna, Bruce E. Gent, Michael A. Gillenwater, Daniel G. Hamilton, Matthias Held, Tom Adler Herland, Raymond S. Hyman, B. Christoph Cavaya, Todd S. Larkin, Pedro X. Lareal, Juan J. Levrino, Felix A. Martinez, Kevin K. Miskin, Mark L. Pace, Ryan V. Pagaduan, A. Moroni Perez, Carlos E. Perotti, Mark B. Pedaru, Alan T. Phillips, Thomas T. Priday, Brian L. Rawson, Rene Romay, Blake M. Rooney, Louis G. Ruiz, Maximo Saavedra, Pedro A. Sanhuesa, Eric J. Schmutz, Min C. Benjamin Tai, Heber D. Teixeira, Maximo C. Torres, Jesus Velez, Carlos Villarreal, Paul H. Watkins, C. Dale Willis Jr., William B. Wan, Luis G. Zapata. All in favor, please manifest it. Those opposed, if any. It is proposed that we sustain Joy D. Jones to serve as primary general president with Jean B. Bingham as first counselor and Bonnie H. Corden as second counselor. Those in favor may manifest it. Any opposed may so signify. It is proposed that we sustain the other general authorities, Area 70s, and general auxiliary presidencies as presently constituted. All in favor, please manifest. Those opposed, if any. President Monson, the voting has been ordered. 
We invite, we're grateful for all of you who sustain the leaders of the church uh, in their sacred calling, and we invite now those newly called general authorities and the general presidency to uh, come forward and take their seats on the stand. They should be coming from somewhere. (laughs) Here they come. President Monson always says it's a long walk. Thank you, brothers and sisters. As previously announced, Kevin R. Jerkinson will read the church audit report, followed by Brooke P. Hales, who will present the statistical report of the church for 2015. To the First Presidency of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Dear Brethren, As directed by Revelation in section 120 of the Doctrine and Covenants, the Council on the Disposition of the Tithes, composed of the First Presidency, the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, and the Presiding Bishopric, authorizes the expenditure of Church funds. Church entities disperse funds in accordance with approved budgets, policies, and procedures. The Church Auditing Department, which consists of credentialed professionals and is independent of all other Church departments, has responsibility to perform audits for the purpose of providing reasonable assurance regarding contributions received, expenditures made, and safeguarding of Church assets. Based upon audits performed, the Church Auditing Department is of the opinion that in all material respects, contributions received, expenditures made, and and assets of the Church for the year 2015 have been recorded and administered in accordance with approved Church budgets, policies, and accounting practices. The Church follows the practices taught to its members of living within a budget, avoiding debt, and saving against the time of need. Respectfully submitted, Church Auditing Department, Kevin R. Jurgensen, Managing Director. The First Presidency has issued the following statistical report of the Church as of December 31, 2015. The total number of stakes at the end of the year was 3,174, with 418 missions, 558 districts, and 30,016 wards and branches. Total Church membership was 15,634,199. The number of new children of record added during 2015 was 114,550, with 257,402 converts baptized during the year. As of December 31, there were 74,079 full-time missionaries and 31,779 church service missionaries serving throughout the Church. Five temples were dedicated in 2015, the Cordoba, Argentina, Payson, Utah, Trujillo, Peru, Indianapolis, Indiana, and Tijuana, Mexico temples. Two temples were rededicated in 2015, the Mexico City, Mexico Temple, and the Montreal, Quebec Temple. The number of temples in operation at the end of the year was 149. Brothers and sisters, uh, President Monson asked me to uh, mention that uh, 
Since a few opposing notes, uh, votes were noted, we invite those uh, with opposing votes to uh, contact their state presidents for further um, uh, questions or answers. Thank you. The choir will now favor us with Israel, Israel, God is Calling. Following the singing, we will hear from elders Ronald A. Rasband and Neil L. Anderson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles.
We extend a warm welcome to the newly called General Authorities, Area 70s, and the wonderful new Primary General Presidency. And with deepest appreciation, we thank those who have just been released. We love you, each one. My dear brothers and sisters, we have just participated in a most blessed experience as we have raised our hands to sustain prophets, seers, and revelators and other leaders and general officers called of God in these very days. I have never taken lightly or casually the opportunity of sustaining and being guided by the Lord's servants. And being just months into my own new calling as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, I am humbled by your sustaining vote and confidence. I treasure your willingness to stand with me and with all of these great leaders. Soon after I was sustained last October, I traveled to Pakistan on an assignment and, while there, met the magnificent and dedicated saints in that country. They are few in number but large in spirit. Shortly after returning home, I received the following note from Brother Shaquille Arshad, a dear member I had met on my visit. Thank you, Elder Razban, for coming to Pakistan. I want to tell you that we Church members sustain you and love you. We are so lucky that you were here and we heard from you. It was just a golden day in my family's life that we met an Apostle. Meeting saints like Brother Arshad was an overwhelming and humbling experience, and using his words, a golden day for me as well. In January, Church leaders participated in a face-to-face broadcast with youth and their leaders and parents from around the world. The broadcast was streamed live over the Internet to many locations in 146 countries. Some locations had large audiences in chapels, and others were a single home with one youth tuning in. In total, many hundreds of thousands joined in. In connecting with our vast audience, Sister Bonnie Oscarson, Young Women General President, Brother Stephen W. Owen, Young Men General President, and I, supported by our youth host, musicians, and others, answered questions from our youth. Our purpose was to introduce the youth theme for 2016, Press Forward with a Steadfastness in Christ, from 2 Nephi, which reads, Wherefore ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. By reading many hundreds of our youth's questions, what did we learn? We learned that our youth love the Lord, sustain their leaders, and desire to have their questions answered. Questions are an indication of a further desire to learn, to add to those truths already in place in our testimonies, and to be better prepared to press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. The restoration of the gospel began with the youth, Joseph Smith, asking a question. 
Many of the Savior's teachings in his ministry began with a question. Remember his question to Peter, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter's response, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We need to help each other find Heavenly Father's answers through the guidance of the Spirit. At that broadcast, I said to the youth, The leaders of this Church are no strangers to your issues, your concerns, and to your challenges. We have children. We have grandchildren. We are often meeting with youth all over the world, and we're praying for you. We're talking about you in the most sacred places, and we love you. I would like to share one of the many, many responses we received from that event. Lisa from Grand Prairie, Alberta, Canada, wrote, This face-to-face event was wonderful. What a strength to my testimony and convictions of the gospel. We are so blessed to have inspired leaders who have been called to serve in so many different capacities. Liz from Pleasant Grove, Utah, wrote on an earlier post, I am grateful for my personal faith and the opportunity to sustain a prophet of God and the men and women who serve with him. We have sustained leaders today who have, by divine inspiration, been called to teach and guide us and who are calling out to us to beware of the dangers we face each day. From casual Sabbath day observance to threats to the family to assaults on religious freedom, and even to disputing Latter-day Revelation. Brothers and sisters, are we listening to their counsel? Many times in conferences, sacrament meetings, and primary, we have sung the tender tender words, Lead me, guide me, walk beside me. What do those words mean to you? Who comes to mind when you think of them? Have you felt the influence of righteous leaders, those disciples of Jesus Christ who have in the past and continue today to touch your life, who walk the Lord's path with you? They may be close at home. They may be in your local congregations or speaking from the pulpit at general conference. These disciples share with us the blessing of having a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, the leader of this Church the leader of our very souls, who has promised, Be of good cheer, and do not fear, for I, the Lord, am with you and will stand by you. I remember President Thomas S. Monson sharing the story of being invited to his stake president, Paul C. Child's home, to prepare for advancement to the Melchizedek priesthood. What a special blessing for President Child! who did not know at the time that he was teaching a young Aaronic priesthood boy who would one day become the prophet of God. I have had my own learning moments from our dear prophet, President Monson. There is no question in my mind or in my heart that he is the Lord's prophet on the earth. I have been a humbled recipient as he has received revelation and acted upon it. He has been teaching us to reach out, to protect each other, to rescue one another. So it was taught at the Waters of Mormon. Those desirous to be called his people were willing to bear one another's burdens, 
to mourn with those that mourn and stand as witnesses of God. I stand today as a witness of God, the Eternal Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. I know our Savior lives and loves us and directs His servants, you and me, to fulfill His mighty purposes on this earth. As we press forward, choosing to follow the counsel and the warnings of our leaders, we choose to follow the Lord while the world is going in another direction. We choose to hold fast to the iron rod, to be Latter-day Saints, to be on the Lord's errand, and to be filled with exceedingly great joy. The growing question of today is clear. Are you standing with the leaders of the Church in a darkening world so that you might spread the light of Christ? Relationships with leaders are so important and significant. No matter what age leaders may be, how close or far away, or when they may have touched our lives, they influence, and their influence reflects the words of an American poet, Edwin Markham, who said this, There is a destiny that makes us brothers. No one goes his way alone. All that we send into the lives of others comes back into our own. Shaquille Arshad, my friend in Pakistan, sent his support to me, his brother and friend. So have many of you. When we reach out to lift one another, we prove those powerful words, no one goes his way alone. Most of all, we need our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. One of the accounts from Scripture that has always spiritually moved me is when Jesus Christ walked out on the water to meet his disciples who were traveling in a ship on the Sea of Galilee. These were leaders newly called, like many of us on the stand today. The account is recorded in Matthew. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter heard that wonderful call of encouragement from the Lord, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. Pretty bold. Peter was a fisherman, and he knew about the hazards of the sea. However, he was committed to following Jesus, night or day, on a ship or on dry land. I can imagine that Peter leaped over the side of the boat, not waiting for a second invitation, and began to walk on the water. Indeed, the scripture says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. And as the wind increased in strength and force, and as the waves swirled about his feet, Peter became afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. Such a powerful lesson. The Lord was there for him, just as he is there for you and for me.
He reached out his hand and drew Peter to him in safety. I have needed the Savior and the rescue of his hand so many times. I need him now as never before, as does each of you. I have felt confident at times leaping over the side of the boat, figuratively speaking, into unfamiliar places only to realize that I cannot do it alone. As we discuss during Face to Face, the Lord often reaches out to us through our families and leaders, inviting us to come unto Him, just like He reached out to save Peter. You, too, will have your many moments to respond to frequent invitations to come unto Christ. Isn't that what this mortal life is all about? The call may be to come rescue a family member, come serve a mission, come back to church, come to the Holy Temple, and, as we have recently heard from our wonderful youth in the face-to-face event, come, please, help me answer my question. In due time, each one of us will hear the call, come home. I pray that we will reach out, reach out and take the Savior's hand that He is extending to us, often through His divinely called leaders and family members, and listen for His call to come. I know that Jesus Christ lives. I love Him, and I know with all my heart that He loves each of us. He is our great exemplar and the divine leader of all of our Father's children. Of this I bear my solemn witness in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God loves children. He loves all children. The Savior said, Suffer the little children to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Children today find themselves in many different and complex family configurations. For example, today, twice as many children in the United States are living with only one parent than were 50 years ago. And there are many families that are less unified in their love of God and willingness to keep His commandments. In this increasing spiritual commotion, the restored gospel will continue to carry the standard, the ideal, the pattern of the Lord. Children are entitled to birth within the bonds of matrimony and to be reared by a father and a mother who honor marital vows with complete fidelity. Husband and wife have a solemn responsibility to love and care for each other and for their children. Parents have a sacred duty to rear their children in love and righteousness, to provide for their physical and spiritual needs, and to teach them to love and serve one another and observe the commandments of God. We recognize the many good parents across the world of all faiths who lovingly care for their children. And we gratefully acknowledge the families in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who are wrapped in the care of a father and mother converted to the Savior, who are sealed by the authority of the priesthood, and who are learning in their family to love and trust their Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. But my plea today 
is for the hundreds of thousands of children, youth, and young adults who do not come from these, for lack of a better term, picture-perfect families. I speak not only of the youth who have experienced the death, divorce, and diminishing faith of their parents, but also of the tens of thousands of young men and young women from all around the world who embrace the gospel without a mother or father to come into the Church with them. These young Latter-day Saints enter the Church with great faith. They hope to create the family ideal in their own lives at a future day. In time, they become an important part of our missionary force, our righteous young adults, and those who kneel at an altar to begin their own families. We will continue to teach the Lord's pattern for families, but now with millions of members and the diversity we have in the children of the Church, we need to be even more thoughtful and sensitive. Our Church culture and vernacular is at times quite unique. The primary children are not going to stop singing, families can be together forever, but when they sing, I'm so glad when Daddy comes home, or with father and mother leading the way. Not all children will be singing about their own family. Our friend Betty shared an experience at church when she was 10 years old. She said, Our teacher was sharing a lesson about temple marriage. She specifically asked me, Betty, your parents weren't married in the temple, were they? My teacher and the rest of the class knew the answer. The teacher's lesson followed, and Betty imagined the worst. Betty said, I had many tearful nights. When I had heart problems two years later and thought I was going to die, I panicked, thinking I would be alone forever. My friend Leif attended church by himself. Once while in primary, he was asked to give a short talk. He had no mom or dad at church to stand beside him and help him if he forgot what to say. Leif was terrified. Rather than embarrass himself, he just stayed away from church for several months. Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. These children and youth are blessed with believing hearts and spiritual gifts. Leif told me, I knew deep in the recesses of my mind that God was my Father and that He knew me and loved me. Our friend Veronique said, As I learned the principles of the gospel, and studied the Book of Mormon, it was as though I was remembering things I had already known but had forgotten. Our friend Zuleika comes from Alagreci, Brazil. Although her family was not religious, at age 12, Zuleika began to read the Bible and visit local churches, searching to know more about God. With her parents' reluctant permission, She studied with the missionaries, gained a testimony, and was baptized. Zuleika told me, During the discussions, 
I was shown a picture of the Salt Lake Temple and told about the sealing ordinances. From that moment, she said, I had the desire of one day entering into the house of the Lord and having an eternal family. While a child's earthly situation may not be ideal, a child's spiritual DNA is perfect because one's true identity is as a son or daughter of God. President Monson has said, Help God's children understand what is genuine and important in this life. Help them to develop the strength to choose paths that will keep them safely on the way to eternal life. Let's open our arms and our hearts a little wider. These youth need our time and our testimonies. Brandon, who joined the Church in Colorado in high school, spoke to me of those who reached out to him both before and after his baptism. He said, I was in the homes of families that lived the gospel. It showed me a standard that I felt I could have in my own family. Veronique, born in the Netherlands, attended school with our daughter Kristen when we lived in Germany. Veronique noted, Students who were Church members had a light about them. I came to realize that that light came from their faith in Jesus Christ and living His teachings. My friend Max was baptized when he was eight. His father was not a member of any Church, and Max could go to Church or not go. As a teenager, after not attending for several months, Max had the feeling that he needed to go back to church and determined one Sunday morning that he would return. But his resolve weakened as he approached the front door of the church. His stomach tightened. There, standing at the door, was the new bishop. Max didn't know him, and he felt sure the bishop didn't know Max. As Max approached, the bishop's face lit up, and he put his hand out and said, Max, it's so good to see you. As he spoke those words, Max said, A warm feeling came over me, and I knew I had done the right thing. Knowing someone's name can make a difference. And Jesus commanded that their little children should be brought to him. And he took them one by one and blessed them and prayed unto the Father for them. And when he had done this, he wept. At the request of parents, many youth who love the gospel wait years to be baptized. Emily's parents divorced while she was a child. She did not receive permission to be baptized until she was 15. Our friend Emily speaks glowingly of a young woman's leader who always reached out and helped strengthen her testimony. Colton and Preston are teenagers who live in Utah. Their parents are divorced, and they have not yet received permission to be baptized. Even though they can't pass the sacrament, they bring the bread each week. And even though they can't enter the temple to do baptisms with the youth when their ward goes to the temple, the two brothers find family names next door at the Family History Center.
The greatest influence on helping our youth feel included is other righteous youth. I close with the example of a new friend, someone we met a few weeks ago while visiting the Zambia Lusaka Mission. Elder Joseph Senguba is from Uganda. His father died when he was seven. At age nine, with his mother and relatives unable to care for him, he was on his own. At age 12, he met the missionaries and was baptized. Joseph told me of his first day at church. After sacrament meeting, I thought it was time to go home. But the missionaries introduced me to Joshua Walusimbi. Joshua told me that he was going to be my friend, and he handed me a children's songbook so I wouldn't have to go into primary empty-handed. In primary, Joshua put an extra chair right next to his. The primary president invited me to the front and asked the whole primary to sing for me, I am a child of God. Joseph said, I felt very special. The branch president took Joseph to the Pierre Mungoza family, and that became his home for the next four years. Eight years later, when Elder Joseph Senguba began his mission, to his great surprise, his trainer was Elder Joshua Walusimbi, the boy who had made him feel so welcome on his first day in primary. And his mission president? He is President Leif Erikson, the little boy who stayed away from primary because he was terrified about giving a talk. God loves his children. When Kathy and I were in Africa a few weeks ago, we visited Mujimai Democratic Republic of the Congo. Because the chapel was not large enough for the 2,000 members, we met out of doors under large plastic coverings covered, supported by bamboo poles. As the meeting began, we could see dozens of children watching us, clinging to the bars on the outside of the wrought iron fence that surrounded the property. Kathy quietly whispered, Neil, do you think that you might want to invite the children to come in? I approached District President Kalonji at the podium and asked him if he would welcome the children outside the fence to come join us inside. To my surprise, with President Kalonji's invitation, the children not only came, but came running, more than 50, perhaps 100, some with tattered clothes and bare feet, but all with beautiful smiles and excited faces. I was deeply moved by this experience and saw it as symbolic of our need to reach out to the youth who feel alone, left behind, or outside the fence. Let us think about them, welcome them, embrace them, and do everything we can to strengthen their love for the Savior. Jesus said, Whoso shall receive one such child in my name receiveth me. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
on a single signal from the conductor. The congregation will stand and join the choir in singing, Now Let Us Rejoice. After the singing, we will hear from Elders Mervyn B. Arnold and Jairo Mazagadi of the Seventy. They will be followed by Elder David A. Bednar of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. You're listening to the 186th Annual General Conference of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on KSL-FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City. General Conference of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.
The Savior clearly understood His mission to rescue our Heavenly Father's children, for He declared, The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost, for it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. My angel mother, Jasmine Banyan Arnold, clearly understood her role to help in the rescue of our Heavenly Father's wounded or lost sheep, including her own children and grandchildren. What a marvelous role grandparents can play in the lives of their grandchildren. Mom was usually assigned to visit teach those struggling with their faith, the less active and part-member families. However, her flock included several others that no one had assigned her to visit. Generally, her visits were not just once a month, as she quietly listened, ministered to the sick, and gave loving encouragement. The last several months of Mom's life, she was homebound, so she spent hours writing them letters expressing her love, bearing her testimony, and lifting those who came to visit. As we go to the rescue, God gives us power, encouragement, and blessings. When He commanded Moses to rescue the children of Israel, Moses was afraid, just as many of us are afraid. Moses excused himself, saying, I am not eloquent.